Sport Calgary acts as a resource for sports organizations with a ton of information available on www.sportcalgary.ca. Learn about community and coaching resources, research, jobs, and of course, the latest in Calgary sport. Hi everybody, and I'm happy to welcome you to an original Six Feet Conversation. Or if you like, the original Six Feet Conversation podcast. I'm Rob Kerr. Uh, full disclosure, and you're going to hear that a lot. Full disclosure, uh, board member, director for Sport Calgary. Uh, just uh, volunteering my time to spend some time with you uh, during this. Uh, I mean, we haven't even given this a name. I know, you know, coronavirus, COVID-19, pandemic, self I The reality of it is, folks, is we're all pretty much hunkered down right now, trying to do the best we can, um, you know, enjoying... Uh, maybe some time that we have never had before. And I hope that this is part of it. I hope that you've been able to find these podcasts and uh, be part of the conversations, uh, again, with many of my friends. Uh, These are two friends talking. They're not hard-hitting. They're not topical per se, although some of them are, I guess. Uh, More, it's just want to tell some stories, want you to get to know some people in our community, the things they're doing, uh, where they came from, and Basically, as Calgarians, uh, just learn a little bit more, enjoy, celebrate our city, and of course, uh, that final question every podcast, and am I digging the answers we are getting from people? All right? Now, if you haven't heard the podcast, if this is your first one, thank you. Welcome. Glad to have you. Um, Very excited about this week's guest. Sorry, today's guest. I guess I'm used to weekly podcasts. This is a daily podcast, so just go to sportcalgary.ca and you can find the newest one. So this, I, I, I enjoy... I mean, really excited about today's guest. That's what I'm going to say. Um, He is one of Canada's biggest country music stars. He is a Juno Award winner, a CCMA Award winner, an ECMA Award winner. Uh, He is in the uh, Nova Scotia Country Music Hall of Fame. He has recorded over 12 albums. Um, He is a guy that you may know if you are a Flames fan because, yes, he's that guy that sings the national anthems. George Canyon, kind enough to spend some time with us today. And I'm very proud to call George a friend of mine, but I learned some stuff. And that's what I love about these conversations. I learned some stuff about George. Um, he's a neat guy. He is a cool guy. Uh, you're going to find that George has many passions. Um, <clears throat> I suppose, for a guy that is known for wearing a cowboy hat, I'll put it this way, George wears many, many hats. Um, we were uh, lucky enough to have this conversation uh, on Skype, um, and right at the beginning, I'm going to let him do a little bragging. Uh, I'm going to let George do a little bragging right off the top, uh, but having said that, thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. So uh, before we get there, just a reminder, Sport Calgary is a volunteer-based nonprofit society guided by a deep love of sport and a mission to help sport grow in Calgary. All right, you ready? So... An original six feet conversation with the one, the only, George Canyon. How are you holding up through all this, by the way? Oh, I'm great. Yeah, we're uh, we're doing great. We um we have uh, the kids coming home on Monday, so I'm pretty grateful for that. We we're pretty worried about getting them back from school, um, but they'll be home Monday, and then of course we'll be quarantined for another two weeks because yeah. They will. They have to fly, and I think everyone now, no matter if you're international or domestic, if you're flying, you should just quarantine. You know, 
now how much of this has impacted you how much what were you were you on tour going to be on tour did you yeah, have dates? We, yeah we had shows and of course the flames as well right yep like, oh we're gonna get into a, that <laughs> big commitment but um we had shows booked that just all of a sudden are like nope shutting down we don't even know if we're going to get summer festivals um from what i'm hearing right now that's up in the air so um our industry got hit pretty hard um but as all industries did right like everybody you know i mean um i'm hoping uh for a lot of musicians and artists um alike that that um the government is is uh stepping up there which is going to be great um there's a lot of young artists out there that they don't have a fan base, right? They, they can do a Facebook live concert, but for who? And, you know, so, um, we're very blessed that I've had 30 years in the business and I have a great, amazing fan base. Um, but a lot of artists, you know, they just start out. We want to keep them encouraged. We want to make sure they get through all this somehow. Um, cause if you can't play shows for all of us, if you can't play shows, yep. you can't beat your family. So, you know, it's one of those things where, we're trying to work together as a community and, um, and as well, other, you know, other small, small businesses. Um, we're really encouraging uh, our fan base to support small business locally and small business in, in all of Canada. Um, just because, uh, uh, you know, I heard a hor horrific number the other day, a lot of the restaurants, they can't survive for, for two weeks without patrons. Yeah. And it's going to be way longer than two weeks from what they're saying. So, um, there is no playbook for this. There are have been a couple of issues before. So I want to ask you, what do you think the role is of someone like yourself in this? And, and I mean that because you're going to do concerts, correct? Yeah. You're, you're going to yeah. stay connected. Your music, I'm sure you're hearing it from fans. Your music is likely playing a role in them, you know, keeping from going crazy. But what is the role of a, an entertainer, a, a musician in a time like this? Um. Well, you know, music is always something that is, it brings comfort and solace to people at, in times of need. It always has. Um, it's funny because one day I was sitting thinking, music is something that that is ingrained into everyone. Like a baby, you can listen to a baby coo and, and sing along and, and hum along. to. You have no idea what they're singing and cooing about. But it, music is, is in us. And I think... Um, for those of us that make music and that is our career, I think the ability and, and the blessing to get to share it with others that you don't know the, the effect. Like I, I don't get to hear the effect of my music every now and again, I'll, I'll hear an amazing story that brings me to tears of what my music has done for somebody. But uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's just about trying to bring some comfort and solace and give people a break from the news and Netflix, if you will. Yeah. I'm, running out, I'm running out of things to watch on Netflix. <laughs> Coming out of this, and we will come out of this, uh, oh, yeah. historically, musicians have played a, a large role in, in helping us over. I think of the concerts, and I think, you know, the flood, SARS, every yeah. time we've had some sort of catastrophe, music's played a role. Have, have we, do, are we aware of plans already that are afoot, or are you and your community beginning to talk about things? Uh, not that I'm aware right now, Rob, I think, um, I think it's way too early and, um, you know, everybody, not just if you're in the music business, everyone has to, uh, really take responsibility and, and isolate and, and, you know, care for your family and, 
and we, we just got to get through, we got to get through this. And then, um, it doesn't take long for the music community to throw together no. concerts. No, it happens pretty fast. And, uh, that to me is, a uh, is a godsend. So I know when we come out the other side of this, we'll all, we'll all get together and, um, you know, we'll, we'll be doing whatever, whatever, whatever society needs us to do. <laughs> We're there to make music. One more fairly serious, and then I want to get into a couple of lighthearted ones with you on music. But as a, as a, a songwriter, as a, you know, as an artist, is this a time you think that will give you fodder? Will you find your muse? Will you find material in what we're going through? I don't know if I, I would write um, like subject matter about exactly what we're going through, but I've already like I right now I have not left my studio. Um, I go, you know, I, I go eat. And I go downstairs and jump on a treadmill, but um, I'm I'm writing and I'm recording. Uh, we actually are about to release my very first um, podcast, which is funny because it wasn't because it wasn't because of COVID. We actually had this in the works, but now it's I have all this time, so now it's like okay, yeah. I've uh, I've done episode one, and it's it's called Life as a Diabetic: The Highs and Lows. It's all about. Um, it's all about living with diabetes, uh, me, me specifically type one diabetes, but it's for all diabetics. And, yep. and it, I think it's morphing into something that's going to be a little bit bigger than just about diabetics from, from what I'm hearing from certain guests we're, we're working at having on. Um, but yeah, you know, we, it's kind of, there's so many things going on right now creatively. Uh, I'm just trying to stay focused um, in the studio, working on new music, working on the podcast. Working on YouTube series, we've got a, a YouTube series starting. Um, so it does, you know, as the time is giving me time to work on these things, but to actually sit down and physically write uh, based off of the COVID experience, uh, I'm not, I've never been that kind of writer. Sure. Um, yeah, I've been writing lots of other, other things, um, fun songs, serious songs, sad songs, you know, um, just really digging into that. So are you breaking news? I mean, does anybody else know about this podcast? Have we just broken news on this podcast? That uh, you're having a podcast? Is this yeah, breaking we, podcast news? We haven't talked about, uh, we haven't done the, the release yet on uh, on my podcast, um, just because it's, uh, well, it's, there's a lot of work involved. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also a vlog, so you can go yes. and... Um, uh, I sort of what I did is I sort of um, I'm a fan of Joe Rogan's podcast. I like listening to him now and again. And yeah. I sort of went, OK, well, Joe does the vlog as well for anybody that wants to watch on YouTube. And because um, because it's life as a type you know, life as a diabetic, there are certain products and things that I'll want to show uh, fans. And I can do that on YouTube and I can't do that on in a, in a podcast. So that's why we are going to simultaneously have both. Can I just say that this is uh, you are the second guest on this podcast to break news that they're doing a podcast. Uh, Peter Labardius is doing a podcast now, too. So I had no intention of this, but this seems to be a byproduct of what we're doing here is everybody's announced, which I think is fantastic. Well, I think what's about to happen, I think you're going to see, you know, 12 months from now, Yeah, I think you're going to see the entertainment industry. And what I mean by that is not just my part of the industry, but all, including, including yours, including... Yep. Podcasts, I, I think, including um, the world of entertainment and hockey. I think you're going to see it come out the other side shinier. Does that make sense? It does. 
I think I yeah. think it does. I think yeah. you know it's a natural pause that we would have never taken as a society. We would have never, never taken it as a group. We would have never thought of it. But now we're no. forced into it, and I think I think that's one of the things that could come out of this. I, I really, um, I truly believe that Jen does too. My wife Jen thinks that um, that you know if you have to try to find positives uh, when we all get through this as a world, right. not just as a country. Um, I think we're going to be a little more tighter knit. I think there's going to be a lot more sharing of information um, quicker. And I think for for the future, maybe this is what is preparing us for years and years and years of something that's coming way down the road, you know. Um, but I I try to look at the positive in everything, Rob. So I, I, uh, I'm trying to stay focused on all the positive. Well, let's have a little bit of fun. What do you make of... Um... Artists from around the world taking this opportunity to reach out to their fans and perform. I'll give you a moment to maybe stump. It seems to me country music is best set up for this format. That the country music artists can best perform their music by themselves at home. Well, if if you just break <laughs> it down to singer songwriter stuff, yeah, that's what's why. Um, when I write a song, it's me and an acoustic guitar or me and a piano. Um, at the end of the day. I should be able to deliver that song the same way. Right. Um, that's how I was raised. And, you know, in, in especially, you know, playing pubs and stuff when it was just me, a guitar, a bartender and no fans at all. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, but, you know, every song, there are certain songs I have, like, um, I got this, that's a tough one to play acoustically. So I turned it into something called campfire disco. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when you're sitting around the campfire, you're yeah. playing, playing songs. Uh, so I call it campfire disco. So I actually figured out a way to play it acoustically. Um, lots of room to grow, Rob. Lots of room <laughs> to grow. How much are you missing sports right now? A lot. Are you? I'm, I'm going a little bat poop crazy, <laughs> if you will. Um, just the fact of, not just the fact of uh, getting to be there with the Flames and, and watching their games because they're so entertaining, but. It's, um, you know, I play two to three times a week and, and I haven't been able to play now for over two weeks. And so I'm kind of, I look at my goalie gear in the garage and I kind of rock back and forth like this for a while. And then I, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, moving on. So, um, and then of course we're talking about maybe doing some, uh, some outdoor rank here. Um, some, but it's, it's a little bit tougher with the ice cracking. Like it's really cracking lately. Yeah. Like, uh, Things are melting fast right now. I think the ground is actually heating up faster than the air. So um, I'm not sure. I'm just fingers crossed that, you know, first off, in all seriousness, fingers crossed everybody gets through this and everyone's okay. Yeah. Um, I've heard some really horrific stories as of late. And, um, but at, on the, on the, you know, on the more lighter note, um, I can't wait for hockey to get back. Have you taken to any of these? Uh, are you into the marble racing? Have you taken into the drone? Are you watching old games and and gambling on any of that? Uh, what nothing? Is there any void that can be filled through this? Uh, if the snow would melt, I could take out my my chipper and hit some golf balls. But uh, <laughs> no, I um, no. Other than I started running outside yesterday, which was um, eye opening. Yeah. It was kind of fun to run, to go for a run and get some fresh air and uh, beautiful mountain, cool mountain air in the morning. Um, I'm thinking, though, drone racing sounds fun. How do we do that? <laughs> well, it's all these things like, you know, the, we talked about it a little bit before. Society will adapt, right? So it's all oh, yeah. of these things that people need to watch something. And they need, I think they need to watch something live, George. 
I think the showing of the old games is great. Historically, that's good, but yeah, it doesn't fun. quite it, scratch that itch, does it? Well, you know what we could do? Since all the boys are stuck in their homes, all the players, I saw Kachuk did a video from his house yeah. yesterday, and I laughed because he looks bored. <laughs> and uh, he always looks like he just woke up. That's, what it, <laughs> that's, his, that's his hairdo. But anyway... Um, I thought, well, wouldn't it be kind of fun to get a few of the boys and we'll just, you know, once if everyone's quarantined, get, you know, two or three of the guys, four of the guys and and have a little um, old school, uh, you know, tabletop hockey get yeah. going. Yeah. And but but live stream it and get get you and it gets get some other, and call it. You know yeah. what I mean? Call the game. Yeah. That I mean, hey, we there's some fun. We did that during the lockout in uh, in 0405. We had a table hockey tournament up at Shanks North, and we brought Peter Marr in, and Peter called the semifinals and the finals. Him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Well, see, there you go. Uh, necessity's the mother of invention. Take me down. Let's tell a few stories here. Take me down the the, the George Canyon uh, memory. Where where does sports fit for you? What did you? What was the first? You know sport you played and and what were you into when you grew up it was hockey hockey hockey, always hockey um hockey since i was five um mom and dad made me go into power skating um that was a necessity they made me do figure skating for a year as well with hockey which was absolutely a game changer because i i learned um definitely learned some some flexibility and some different footwork um and as a forward, as a left winger and a centerman growing up, you know, that was a, that was a huge thing for me. Um, then uh, from there, I played a little bit of baseball. Um, I play some golf now. I, I, I'm an outdoors guy, so I like everything. I like camping, fishing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like hunting, but I never get anything. So it's more about, I might as well just go for a walk in the woods. It's armed camp. hiking. Yeah. Uh, hi- hiking. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Hiking. Uh, I do like hiking. Yeah. And, uh, I love flying. I'm a pilot. Um, although I don't have an airplane. Uh, um, I, I do have a lot of buddies with planes, like little planes. So I really enjoy flying. And um, yeah, I mean, it's anything anything outdoors, man, it gets me. Gets me, I guess, my heart, and my blood pumping. But working out's vital uh, for me. I work out every day. Today's my day off, but um, every day I'm in in the gym. Whatever I, well, the gyms are closed, so I'm in my own little gym right now. I'm a little make got a makeshift thing going on. But sure. um, as a type one diabetic, weight training is absolutely vital uh, for me. I get 24 to 48 hours of really uh, helpful glucose control from uh from weight training and so that's vital for me but hockey and hockey's hockey's it there's nothing else hockey's the best sport in the world you are a rare breed because you mentioned it growing up you were a winger centerman you are now you have joined the union you come over to the dark side you're part of the the chosen group what made you decide that you wanted to become a goalie chris cedarstrand I blame Chris. Okay. Of course, people knows that know Chris, uh, Canadian sledge hockey player. Yeah. Big team. You know, Chris was working out in Okotoks on the ice, and uh, no one to work out with. Like get out there. So I said, well, why don't I borrow some goalie gear and and you know, I mean, it's not like he's going to be able to shoot very hard. <laughs> sledge hockey player. <laughs> yeah. 
That hint, was the hint. wrong assumption. <laughs> yeah. Holy mackerel. <laughs> so off comes an 85 mile an hour wrist shot, dents the cage that I'm wearing for the very first day. And I'm like, I don't know what it is about it. I absolutely love it. So then I, I you know, I went on the hunt, bought some used gear and, and then got some stuff from the flames, some used stuff, you know, kind of just stuff that wasn't, was just kicking around and, and started playing. And um, this is my sixth year, I think, as a goalie, five or six. And I, I absolutely love it. Absolutely. Are so you, much fun. Are you completely self-taught or were there some YouTube videos or something in there? Because Man, I, I watched YouTube. Uh, I, I really drove Smitty crazy. Uh <laughs> You know, I, Mike, how do I do this? Mike, how do I do <laughs> Mike was coaching me when we were on the ice doing that uh, with the Flames that, that one time. Oh, your super skills. My, yeah, Mike's on the bench coaching me, yelling yelling things at me. I couldn't even hear him. Um, but it was, uh, you know, it, it helped out and all that stuff. And I still, I'm still studying YouTube. Uh, there's a few channels I study, you know, okay, well, this one goalie saying left leg up on the left post, right, right leg down. One guy saying, no, 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 go into full butterfly and then lean and hug. And so I'm always studying those different things, but so much to learn. And that's the great thing about it. Yeah. Well, that it's, you're fascinating to me because of, of how deeply you've dedicated yourself to it. Like it's not, you know, there's not a lot of 29 year old guys, George, 29. That, yeah. that, that throw themselves into it. Like you have. Well, you know, 29, <laughs> I can't remember what 29 was. <laughs> yeah, I turned 50 this year, so. So did I. Cheers. No, no, I haven't yet. Oh, you haven't? Oh, well, no. okay. Oh, you haven't. Uh, you are turning. I turned Okay, 50. I have turned. So yes, you are, you're ahead of me. I'm older than you, George. You're old. Yeah, I I'm am not, or Yes. I'm not old yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny, though. I'm in the best shape of my life, so at 50 years old. Um, I never imagined 50 would be like this, so it's cool. Um, what is it about the position you like the most? What is it when, uh, when you're in it, what do you get the most satisfaction out of? Uh, seeing the replays in my head. Yeah? Yeah, it's all about the replay in your head. Like when you're a kid, like, cause I, you know, during the summers we just played ball hockey and you, we didn't just play ball hockey. And I don't know if kids do this nowadays. We're, we're out on the road, got the two nets going. Well, we didn't have nets. We used boots as corner posts. And one, whoever was had the ball was responsible to call the play. So we were Bobby Hall, okay. Gretzky, okay. Uh, Ken Dryden, yeah. Guy Lefler, you know, all these all these names. So whoever was in control of the, of the ball, tennis ball, hockey ball, if you were lucky to have a hockey ball, most times it was tennis ball, um, you had to call the play. It was bizarre. It was like, uh, I wish we had video back then because that would be priceless stuff to be able to show people. But, you know, you get like, you know, five kids out there. I mean, sometimes we'd have three, two, sometimes we'd have five. Whoever had that ball was calling the play and it was hilarious. Like it was, uh, you were the broadcaster sure. while you were, while you were in control. <laughs> who, who was your go-to? Who were you? Oh man. Um, no, there was no go-to. I think it was whatever happened to be hot that day or at the time. I mean, I even remember uh, calling Phil Esposito. Sure. Hey, I mean, it was all there. Um, Bobby Clark, uh, Wayne Gretzky, of course, was uh, one one of my buddies. He was always Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> um, 
But I, you know, I kind of went everywhere from uh, Guy Lafleur to um, uh, who else was out there? Gosh, the Rocket. Sure. The Rocket. Sure. I was never the I was never the Pocket Rocket. <laughs> okay. God rest his soul. But I was. Uh, I remember calling being the Rocket, and then when you're, you know, when you're in the net, when everybody wanted to be in the net, always. Um, I, I most of the time was the I think Ken Dryden. Pretty sure. Yeah, <laughs> pretty sure. Sure, I, I would have been too because that's that that's that era. You, so you and I would have on Saturdays probably watched Bugs Bunny and Wiley Coyote, and then right into Hockey Night in Canada, right? And yeah, Hockey Night in Canada, one channel. That was it. That was uh, Saturday nights first period. I'd make the first period. I'd make maybe half of the second, and then I'd fall asleep. I had to wait Dab- for showdown. I had to wait Dab- for showdown to start. Right. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Showdown and, and Peter Puck. Peter Puck. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. I just remember all those years of uh, Don Cherry and <laughs> and um, just uh, such such entertainment. When did when did you twine? When would when did hockey then become? I mean, was it later in life? Obviously, when you you got the Flames gig, or you know, for you, when did you start connecting with it? Did you? You know, you're, you said you've been in the business as a country music artist for 30 years. Did you ever have run-ins and connections with the sport prior to this? Uh, started now and again. Um, did different things. Um, was asked to do different, be, be a part of different things. But uh, touring kind of, you know, takes you away from that. But I, uh, I remember we did a thing with the Flames. This is well before I was the anthem singer. Um I think we, we went up and did Ring of Fire during something. And um, I was like, wow, it'd be fun to, you know, be a part of the team and, and help out and do things. And then um, uh, Ken reached out, God rest his soul, yeah. Ken reached out to uh, to my management and said, hey, you know, is this something you guys would be interested in talking about? And I've been buddies with Ken for 20 years. And even though he's gone, I'm still buddies with him. I know exactly where he went. Absolutely. And um, he uh, he he was the one that sort of kicked it all off. What's it like doing that job? Is it is it just the same as doing a? I mean, it's, obviously it's no. one song, but what's it like? No, it's way different. Yeah, it's, um, it's something that a lot of artists are terrified of. Uh, a lot of my buddies said, "Not a chance in Hades would they ever do that." Really? Yeah. Um, for me, because of my close tie with the military, I, um, I, it's the biggest honor I could ever be asked, um, to sing our anthem. Uh, and I've been blessed to do our anthem in, in different countries all over the world, including with our troops multiple times in Afghanistan. And it's, there's just something about it. It has nothing to do with me as an artist. I remove myself completely as an artist, um, there's a lot of stuff I'd love to do vocally, but I won't. <laughs> yeah, uh, I do the crescendo at the end. Willie and I created that because um, we felt, you know, the American anthem is a beautiful anthem, and it definitely, as a singer, it goes a lot of different places. But we wanted to make sure the Canadian one was uh, coming through 100%, you know, stepping up a little higher. So we created a crescendo at the end. But um, that anthem is, um, yeah, it is and always will be... Um, very special and more than just a song because men and women have have died and given their lives protecting our freedoms and that anthem to me along with our flag represents that sacrifice 
that that is that is really cool. Can you give me a little bit of the insight of your peer group that don't you know that are you know not necessarily wanting to do it, nervous about doing? Well, it? it's it's the pressure. Yeah, um, it's not like getting out and singing your song and screwing up your lyrics. What would he do? Yeah, um, you're not a jukebox. You you mess up. But when you get out to sing the anthem, it's the pressure of not failing and not letting everybody down and not letting your country down. There's that, you know, and I um, I think that's where it comes from. It comes. I mean, I have that thought in my head. Don't don't let me kid you. That that thought's right there. And I do. I, I pray before every hockey game. <laughs> I go to my spot and I ask the good Lord to be with me. And then I go out and. And um, and the fans are crucial. They don't realize how how well I can hear from the ice surface. I can hear really well. Yeah. Um, I've heard people yell from nosebleeds, which is bizarre when it's quiet enough. Right. Um, but when they sing along, man, it's uh, and during playoffs, the ice vibrates. I don't know. It's hard to describe what it feels like. It's literally a vibration of sound, and um, it's the best feeling in the world. <laughs> you are you are the first person I've ever heard talk about that. But I mentioned it that when I used to cross the catwalk, and in a playoff game to get to the press box, and it was just after the anthem would end, and they would start into the "Go Flames, Go" chant. There, it, you feel that, like oh you, yeah, you, you feel it. Yeah. It's I don't know how else to describe it. Well, it's a sound wave. If you stand in front of a speaker and you crank it up, you'll yeah. feel it in your body. It's right. it's a sound wave. And when you get that many people that engaged, you you feel it. And when they when they yell, you know, red and <laughs> after I mean it's it's funny because I go out to do the American anthem, I'm waiting for it, but I still haven't gotten used to it. <laughs> I remember the first anthem I did um ever. And I went out there as the anthem singer and Laid into the American anthem, and I was, oh, man, I was freaking out nervous. And when the crowd lit that up, the grin I couldn't get off my face, and it relaxed me, and I just had the time of my life. And every time, it's the same. From a, a technical standpoint, which is the easier anthem to sing or perform, the American or the Canadian? Canadian. It is, eh? Yeah, because the American is in Old English, mm. sort of. Yeah. Detroit, I don't know. I'm not a linguist, but... Um, it, it's definitely not, you know, like roses are red, violets are blue. It's not that. So, um, the American anthem is, is its own animal for sure. And you, um, you, if you stop like any song and you start thinking what the next line is, then you're done. So you got to kind of, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to describe what it feels like. Could you just, you just do it. How big? How big a change was it when they added the, or modified the words a couple of years ago? Did I was okay, yeah. easy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are still some people that think I rewrote it. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. Are you serious? Like, are no, you I'm serious? serious. Yeah. Like, George, why do you sing it that way? Why did you change the lyrics? I'm like, I didn't change the lyrics. Well, yeah, you did. Yeah, you sing it, and I'm, I'm like, no, I wasn't me. That was the government <laughs> of Canada. <laughs> They're like, oh, oh, okay. Like, uh, but what's funny is uh, from ice surface, I still hear the majority of people singing all thy sons command. Really? Yep. Really? Yep. Wow. Do not. Yeah. It's uh, it still shocks me. Yeah. Um, a little bit. Yeah. But, um, you know, I don't think um, 
there's possibly too many uh, fans of uh, the people in Ottawa running our country that live in Alberta, <laughs> um, me included. And uh, so I think some of it might be a little bit of animosity in, in saying, you know what, you, sure. you guys have, have really screwed with us. And, you know, uh, but at the end of the day, if you break down the original anthem, but prior to World War One, um, it was an all thou dose command. Yeah. And I think they probably would have been good to go that way, uh, even though that is old English or whatever it is. Um, but then when the First World War happened and all thy sons command, because we lost so many, so many young men, um, that's where that that homage came from. So. Um, I don't know. I just sing whatever the flames tell me to, whatever they want me to sing. It was Ken. It was Ken who said, "Sing what's it's been changed to, George." I said, "Whatever you want, sir." <laughs> Let me. Uh, uh, I, boy, this is fascinating to me because uh, I, I want to ask you a question, and I know you're not retiring, but I ask this question to retired athletes all the time. What's that one when you put your head down on the on the pillow? What's that one game you would remember? Have you done an, one anthem that sticks out for you, George? Is there one particular, a playoff game or some game that... Yeah, it was first there? playoff game. Yeah? First playoff game I ever got to be a part of with the Flames um, will always go down as the holy poop moment for me. <laughs> as a, as an anthem, you know, as 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 the anthem singer, I, um, yeah, I just the energy alone, the crowd, um, getting to see all the players, you know, because, of course, they come out they come out there right so um getting to see these these young young guys their faces just this excited horror stricken look yeah and um it was awesome that very first playoff game ever it's awesome are you superstitious oh yeah 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 so what's how complicated or detailed is your routine and i know this a little bit because every once in a while i'll come by and visit you with just before you go out there but and I, I know there's elements to it. How? What's your routine like before an anthem? Willie and I warm up. Uh, so we'll probably do both anthems at least five times. I do that in the same spot to the right under under the, the you know, the stands. Yep. The exact same positioning. Um, in fact, when I when I do it, I'm I'm so. I'm so superstitious that I actually will do it exactly the same, same body movement, everything. Even though when I get on the ice, it always changes. Um, <laughs> and then uh, b- before they actually pull up the uh, roly curtain thing, whatever it's called, so the refs can go out, um, I go to the exact same place in the dome and I pray. And then uh, I come back up. We run it two more times, usually one at least. And then, and then we go. Same time. Have you ever been forced into a position where you haven't been able to do that? Once. Okay. And how did you handle it? Well, I did get to pray. <laughs> <laughs> I might have prayed harder. Um, <laughs> no, I did pray, and um, we didn't get to rehearse um, to run anything. But, you know, Willie's such a pro. Willie doesn't have to rehearse. It's me. Yeah. So and- I just went out there and. Yeah, we did her. Let, let's, uh, for the benefit of our audience, uh, Willie Jusen is the uh, longtime organ yep. player for the Flames. Uh, for those who don't know him, just an incredible guy, soft, but always has a corny joke for you every always. single, right? Every time. At least two. At least two. Yeah. 
Yeah, he uh, and um, not many people would know just how talented. Like, I mean, yes, you hear him play, but you have to hear some of the stuff I get to hear him do prior to the games, and like when we're talking back and forth, and he's like, "Check out this, check out this," and I'm just like, <laughs> "Willie, that's not human that you can play that." You know, it's just um, that level of musicianship blows my mind. Yeah, he's he's a special guy, and I'm glad you keep bringing him up. Um, by the way, i got to read a little liner here, George. Got to do a little commercial. Because no. each, each year, Sport Calgary hosts its popular all-sport one-day event in June. This is an opportunity for thousands of children to try a new sport free. Registration will open hopefully in May. Check out www.sportcalgary.ca for more details. And, of course, all the events and everything, we'll get to them when we have to. But just want to make sure we give a little love to Sport Calgary. Um I want to go back to something you talked about earlier, and I, and I am fascinated, fascinated a little bit about your journey in it. Uh, when were you diagnosed as being diabetic? Uh, I was 14 years old. It was day after Christmas. Yep, type 1 diabetes, juvenile onset. 1984 would have been a yep. little, or in that range anyway. It was 1984, yeah. Uh, yeah, 1984. Um, what was the prognosis like? What was the, the, the treatment like? Were you able to be quote unquote normal? Uh, well, luckily I've never been normal even prior <laughs> to diabetes. Uh, no, I, I, um, it, it was, uh, you know, the same sim- symptomatically, um, it's very common in, in symptoms. Um, and, and I went through that and dad, dad knew, uh, because my, my nanny was a type one diabetic, dad knew what was going on. Um, so I went into the hospital, I was in the hospital for a week. Uh, that's, that was what you did back then. You went in the hospital for the full week and they got me all squared away and what I could eat, what I could be. I had to take, uh, you know, um, back then it was two shots of insulin, three shots of insulin a day. We were of course combining what we, what we would call Lente in Toronto. Yep. Those are the old days. Yep. Uh, I had to test my blood. Uh, luckily, you know, um, there was blood testing ability, which was great. Uh, my nanny never had that. She had to pee on a stick. That's how she could figure out where her, have a rough idea where her glucose was from her urine, which by the time that happens, you have no idea where your glucose really is because it's going through your whole body. But, um, that's all they had back then. And she had to boil her needles. I didn't have to do that. You know, I had needle, I'd use a needle and throw it away. And, um, yeah, it was, a. Uh, the only thing I was ever concerned with when I got diagnosed was what was I going to be able to get back to air cadets and back on track for my career as an air force pilot. And so really at the end of the day, that's, that was my only concern. So after a week at the hospital, I, uh, two weeks later I was back at air cadets and, um, the CO called me into his office, which I thought he was going to, you know, give me trouble for because I had missed air cadets for two weeks. And he said, you need to know that you'll never be in the air force and you'll never fly airplanes. Um, but you're welcome to stay in air cadets, which I thought was very kind when I look back now. Um, but I, I was devastated, man. I was 14 years old. I had planned on being an air force pilot since I was five. So I know that sounds weird, but it was very true. Mm -hmm. And, um, man, that was it. So I, I, I remember, I'll never forget. It was like yesterday. I remember going home that night, just devastated. I didn't know. I didn't know what I was going to do in my life. I was I was always raised to have a plan, you know, to, to what you were going to be, what you were going to accomplish. And yeah, so long story short, I um, decided to become a doctor, went to St. Francis Xavier University, did my pre-med in two years, was on my way to Dalhousie Medical School, 
that summer I went on the road with a band and uh, the rest is, as they say, history. But never gave up on being um, in the Air Force or being a pilot. And I've been a pilot. I've held a pilot's license now for 11 years. Wow. And I served as an honorary colonel for uh, four years and then three and a half as a reservist colonel. And I'm about to become active again. I can't say too much about that, yep. uh, but I've been asked to become active again, so I'm going to. And um, even though I, I'm a very small, small uh, part of the Canadian, uh, at that time, the Canadian Air Force, um, I still looked at it as, okay, you know, it's an accomplishment. I'm type 1 diabetic, and I was told as a kid I would never live these dreams, and now I'm living them. Uh, just in a roundabout way, a different way. Um, and uh, always had a dream of being in the uh, NHL, too, when I was a kid. and Never thought that would ever come true. So, <laughs> you know. I may never play in the NHL, but I wasn't specific on that dream. Well, I will point out, you have played in front of 10,000 fans at the Dome Plus um, yeah. and, and faced NHL shooters. I don't know what else you need, kid. <laughs> it well, seems to me you've done pretty good. That was embarrassing, embarrassing uh, enough for me, so I'm good to uh, just do the anthem and, uh, you know, maybe someday push comes to shove, they'll need a backup goalie and you won't be there and it'll just be me and I'll be able to get my gear and go in for two minutes. And- so you would be the e-bug? You would want to be the e-bug? You would want to come in like David Ayers? Oh, yeah. What did that? Okay, I want to come back. I went, took you down that path of diabetes and I want to come back to that, but just quickly, did you watch... That would when David stepped in for Carolina. Oh yeah. What did you think of all of that? Oh, because that funny. is the dream, right? Like all of us in the awesome. back of our head go, "That could have been me." It's awesome, and and you know, I think even the guys I play with, what you would call beer league, even though it's not beer league, whatever. Um, there's not one of them there that wouldn't giggle at the opportunity to get on the ice uh, in the NHL. It's yeah. it's a Canadian kid's dream, man. It's not all kids, but a lot of us, you know, especially from from that era, uh, being in the NHL was the be all end all. So, yeah, yeah it's pretty awesome. It was a, it was, yeah, it was, it was really cool. Um, when you got diagnosed, what happened to sports? Because it seems to me back in the eighties, what, wasn't that a little bit of a, an issue when, with diabetes? Yeah, it was. And, um, what happened with me, um, luckily my dad was the chief tech of the hospital so he knew the inside and he knew the entire deal of type one diabetes. And, and of course my nanny, his mom sure. had it. Um, but he's like, Nope, right back to hockey. Um, yeah, you know, it's going to be tough. We went, uh, there were mornings where we went in at six thirty for practice and my sugar started dropping. I'd have to eat a hamburger, drink an orange juice at six thirty in the morning prior to getting out and skating my guts out. Um, did I do it? Yep. Did I puke? Yep. Uh, you just, you did what you did. Right. And, and, um, there's never been a time in my life where I've let type one diabetes stop me from doing something or slow me down from doing something. And, um, I see that same determination in every type one diabetic kid I talk to. Um, especially nowadays where technology is, uh, I'm on a Dexcom G6 CGM which is unbelievable. It gives me my glucose to my phone, to my watch, shares with five other people in my circle so they get alerts if my sugar starts dropping. 
Um, you know, where technology is now, unbelievable. Insulin pump therapy, my Omnipod is is just a godsend as well. And um, we're able to accomplish and achieve things that I don't think my nanny would have ever said she could have done back, right. back in the day when she was, you know, as a type 1 diabetic. And I think that's part and parcel uh, as to why um, uh, myself and a couple others, we were able to to work with and convince Transport Canada that we can be commercial airline pilots. And um, just recently, you know, we were able to once again uh, get them to change that law. And now we've got, uh, well, I, I was on his first flight. Um, first officer, Austin McDonald, he's the first one. Uh, hired as a type one diabetic, hired by Air Canada Jazz, uh, flies right seat Q400. And I got on the first flight a few months ago with him, and I flew to Saskatoon and back to Calgary. I didn't. I got off the plane and got back on the plane. It was the weirdest thing ever. But just to be a part of the accomplishment, to see it uh, with my own eyes, something I never thought I'd ever see. Um, you know, that was, it, it was a, a great day and uh, and great for our great for our community for Type One diabetic kids that want to become commercial airline pilots. The next step for me um, is the military. Um, working with them to hopefully get them to someday allow type one diabetics to become full full um, full time service members. How do you ra- rationalize it? How do you visualize? I don't know what the right term is, but to go from being that young man that goes into a CO's office and is bluntly told you'll never fly, to sitting on that plane going to Saskatoon, having led the charge and got—I mean, what does that mean to you? Uh, I guess I don't look at it as a personal accomplishment, Rob. I never have. Um, no, I never have. I just look at it as a uh, just another hurdle, another stepping stone. Um, all type one diabetics have that that responsibility to to teach others about their their disease and um, and to show others uh, through kind of that proof in the pudding that look what we can accomplish. Um, so for me, uh, no, I was very proud of Austin. Um, and all his hard work and determination and not giving up and, you know, um, to, to find somebody who was, uh, sort of like me at that age, kind of that driven. And when someone told you, no, you just kind of went, I'm going to show you. And, uh, so I was just like, I was like proud uncle George on the flight. What, what, I mean, we've gone through, well, we talked a little bit about it, but we've had this whole entire conversation and we've talked very little about your country music career. Um, when did that happen for you? You mentioned that, you know, between, you know, so what second and third year university on your way to Dalhousie, you started touring, but when did music enter and when did country music enter your world? It wasn't country music. Uh, it was just music in general. Um, started learning how to play acoustic guitar when I was five. And, um, I remember the back in the day, it was just songbooks. You just picked up a songbook and started, you know, playing whatever, listening to music, listening to a lot of records, mom and dad's album, uh, scratching the snot of old George Jones. <laughs> Country music kind of happened for me um, organically because I opened my mouth and out it came. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I didn't have the rock and roll voice. I didn't have the um, Celtic voice if you will even though i have done a lot of celtic music um it was just sort of that natural thing for me was to kind of sing country and i remember uh wearing out a randy travis cassette tape in mom and dad's tempo 
driving it around, learning every vocal lick I could from Randy Travis, just listening and listening and listening. So, um, you know, that was kind of a really big stepping stone for me. But I played all the old stuff. I played Johnny and Merle and, and you know, um, old uh, Waylon Jennings stuff. I, just, I loved all of it. So kind of just fell into my lap. How has the genre changed for you? How, is it, how, how have you seen the music evolve, probably maybe from when you got into it and were making your first dollar in it to now? How, how has the genre changed? Uh, it's, it's changed in a big way um, where country music was, even prior to me coming in, I'm sure it's changed. It's evolved over the years for sure. I mean, you look back on, on Johnny Cash and Merle Haggard and Willie Nelson, and you kind of go through there, and then you've got Shania and Garth, and it, it you know, had a huge drastic change there. Became more pop. I think um, it's it's uh, it's an evolution of music. It's it's just what happens. Um, do I like some of it? Yes. Do I not like some of it? Yes. <laughs> um, uh, there's some some that I would not. I won't listen to. Yeah. And then there's some that I'm like, oh, that's 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 pretty good. I've always been a fan of the song first. So if it's a song that a week from today, I can't remember, then it wasn't a song that I was a fan of. Um, if you look in history, the best songs, um, even take, uh, gosh, Beatles songs. Look at the quality of the songwriting, um, and those songs have stood the test of time. That's what I'm a fan of. So it's not so much um, where the genre is going. It's I want to make sure the quality of song is still there. And um, I'm hearing some great stuff uh, lately, though. I was blown away. I, I, um, I do really enjoy listening to uh, Chris Stapleton um, a lot. But I knew Chris before Chris was Chris. <laughs> so this is a long time ago. So I kind of, you know, when I see him, I kind of giggle because he didn't look that way when I wrote with him. But, um, but just, you know, the, the song is still... The, the vital part of all that, even though he could sing the phone book, let's be awesome, awesome, honest there, and he would sing it awesome, but the song is still the vital part, and um, that to me will always um, be the underlying element to me being a fan of, of a, you know, an artist or not. Two more for you here to wrap this up. One, and I've so thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, but it begs the question, now that we've spent some time with you, where is... George Canyon's happiest place in goal in the cockpit on stage or in this incredible studio that you've built for yourself in your home. Where's, where's, where are you happiest? Where's your with happy my, place with my wife and my kids when we finally are all together. Okay. That's my happiest place. Right. And then if we broke it down from there, um, second happiest would be in, in the cockpit. It is eh? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a special feeling when my feet are not on the ground, and I cannot describe it. Um, it's almost impossible to describe, but there's this feeling of elation that comes over me that I can't contain. And, uh, you know, and I've got myself into some pretty bad situations, <laughs> like every pilot. Um, you know, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Um, <laughs> and I might not have had a big a big uh, dumb grin on my face at that point but uh that was you know there's only a few of those that have happened to me the rest of it is uh 
just getting to fly around and we, you know where we live uh gosh i mean the the scenery when you get up in the air is unbelievable i remember flying a little super cub um down the river bald eagles and golden eagles and it was it was a, a heavenly experience my last one for you has become a bit of a tradition on this podcast um and I probably have said this too much, but I'll share it with you because I love the story. I ripped this completely off of Pat Monahan from Train. Pat Monahan had a podcast, and he asked everybody this question, and I love this question. But I want to refine it. Give me your hidden Calgary and area gem. Give me a, a hidden gem in Calgary and area. And I, that's, I'm not going to tell you. It could be a restaurant. It could be a – I don't care what it is. It could be a park. But give me your hidden gem. Hidden gem? Yeah. Hidden gem, Calgary and area. Yes, because I know you're out in Okotoks area. So, and we already had a vote for Foothills or for the uh, not Foothills for uh, the Dogs Ballpark. Oh yeah, um, I'm, I'm thinking more. I'm thinking more uh, um, a special place. Yeah, there is there is a lake that is west. Of Turner Valley, you literally have to get on a horse to go there, and then you have to tie your horse to a tree because the trees stop, and then you have to hike up this embankment very carefully. Uh, at one point, you actually have to pull your hold on to this rope because there's a rock face, um, and at the top is a lake, not a big lake. But it's the closest, I think, uh, yeah, it's closest I've ever seen to the gates of heaven. They're right up there somewhere. And um, I don't know the name of it. I just know when I was there, the one time I was there, I've never forgot it. Ding, ding, ding. We have a new clubhouse leader. Fantastic. Oh, clubhouse leader. <laughs> George, I, man, I appreciate this, pal. Uh, I, I, I love you. I love being around you. I love doing stuff with you. And, and the fact that you could spend some time with us today is awesome. Thanks for doing this, pal. Oh, it is my sincere pleasure. Have fun with it. How cool is Mr. Canyon? How cool is my friend George? How cool was his hidden gem, by the way? Um Boy, I, I, you know, by we mentioned in there uh, on a couple of occasions we kind of skirted by it, but a couple of years ago, uh, George and I were the two goalies for the Calgary Flames in their shootouts at their uh, uh, Super Skills competition. So you heard George make reference to it in there. We were both mic'd up. Uh, George tried to sing. I did the talking goalie thing. Um, it was a lot of fun. Um, George, and subsequently I've done lots of charity events with George. He's fantastic. Um, really like him. Um, I, I, I thought it was really cool to get his perspective on singing an anthem. It's funny. You get a chance to throw out a first pitch or you get a chance to draw, you know, go out and do something. And it can be nerve wracking. So, uh, really appreciated where he came from in his conversation about singing the national anthem, singing the national anthems. But, um, what a guy, uh, pretty cool, pretty cool. Uh, really proud to have spent some time with George. Uh, that'll do it for this week. I said that in the opening. Why do I, I guess I'm back in my old radio days. That's it for today. 
Uh, we're going to come back. Well, maybe they play this on Friday. I don't know. Maybe it's a Friday conversation. It makes more sense. We'll be back on my- Anyway, we're doing these at sportcalgary.ca. Check them out. Lots and lots of interviews coming your way. Hope you're enjoying them. If you are, please share. Please tell other people. We want this to be a positive uh, uh, Calgary-based conversation that can hopefully bring a, light, a little light in your day. Uh, we got some fantastic guests coming up. We've had some fantastic guests. So if you missed a couple, go back at Sport Calgary and check them out. Uh, but again, if you like it, pass it along. Uh, love doing it. Love doing this for Sport Calgary. We'll see you soon.